I'm super excited to uh, talk with you today in our series called All In. Our um, kind of byline for the series is that we were created for commitment. We were created for commitment. In other words, it's God's subtle way of saying it's possible for us to live life fully and with joy and with strength and with his ability. And we're joined this morning by an amazing example of that. Um, seated just about midway through the auditorium this morning are my parents, Doug and Judy Mayners, and it is today their 52nd anniversary of their wedding, and um, we are super, would you guys stand, would you, would you stand up please? 52 years, all in, that's great, I love it, well, we honor you guys this morning. Uh, and and it's, it's good to have you, have you here. Um, the message I want to bring for you today or to you today um, is, is kind of a unique title. It's a title that's a question and it says this, what if I go all in and it doesn't quite work out? You see, if we're going to be honest with each other, we don't always have to act like it's just going to go fine. Sometimes we ask those kinds of questions to the Lord. Amen? Sometimes we get real and we get honest with the Lord and we start saying, all right, God, I know what I'm supposed to do, but what if I do it and it doesn't exactly go the way I had hoped or my family had hoped or, or even, Lord, as you had hoped? None of that takes him by surprise. Nothing takes him by surprise. But our hope today is that we can inspire you to say, Lord, what are you asking of me and how can I do it with my whole heart? I have a, a friend, um, that friend, I haven't known him long, but I have a friend that, that really pushes me in a lot of stuff. I have a friend who will say things that, that kind of just, I have, to, I have to account for what he's, what he's pushing me toward or what he's kind of trying to work in me. And this friend um, said, Aaron, you should run in the Orlando Utilities Commission OUC half marathon in December. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever run in a half marathon? No, I have not. Have you ever, have you, are you trained? No, no, you think it's a good idea? Let's just say this friend's name rhymes with Pastor Ted Tarvin. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away or anything. But yeah, you should run in it. Okay, and so I know at some point, if I'm going to say yes to something, I have to start taking action to prepare for it. And so I started running a few times a week. Now, not a, the whole way. I don't, it still feels impossible. But I am out there every few days trying to get my body acclimated to that kind of, that kind of race. I also was invited out to dinner a, a three or four months ago um, by my same fat pastor, um, Ted. He, he invited me to go eat ribs and, um, and he said, hey, listen, I'm going to take you to the best ribs place in town. And I said, good, I'm not that hungry. I'll just get a half, half a rack of ribs. And he goes, don't be a sissy. <laughs> he goes, you got to get the whole rack of ribs, man. You got to get the whole rack. He wanted me to go all in. And so when I start thinking about what God has 
commissioned us to do and to be. I, I remember that in Scripture it says that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. All means all. That we're supposed to say, yes, Lord, and then when we do, that we do it with everything inside of us. And as we were talking a little bit about the development of the series several months ago and kind of talking about where we envisioned our parts on this and kind of had a little teaching team kind of moment uh, uh, together for a couple of weeks, we started talking about these things and immediately I started thinking of Peter the disciple. Now, we know from Scripture, because it's historical, we know from Scripture that Peter was a unique cat. He was, he was a little bit out there in a lot of ways. But the Peter, this, this, this guy that I'm, that I'm imagining, this, this full beard, this man's man fisherman, we see throughout Scripture he actually oftentimes was kind of boisterous and loud. We know his mouth got him in trouble often. And it's really interesting that Jesus even cared to choose someone like him. But when we start hearing a little bit about him and we start understanding a little bit more about him, we start seeing that as Jesus was connecting with all of the different disciples in these early portions of his ministry, that he really had to step out and take a chance on a couple of folks. Peter was one of those people like that. You know, Jesus called Luke, and Luke was Peter's doctor, right? Jesus was given, getting his yearly physical. He's sitting up on the table, and they're chit-chatting, and Luke goes, deep breath, and Jesus goes, oh. he goes, another one? And Jesus says, yeah, I'm walking around, kind of connecting with some of these guys. Luke, we're glad you're on the team, but today I met a guy down by the water. His name's Peter. The fisherman? Yeah, the fisherman. I don't like that guy. Everybody knows that guy. I don't like that guy. And Jesus is like, yeah, he's a little rough around the edges, but I, I see something in him that maybe other people don't see. And for Peter to be invited into this circle, this misfit, to be invited into this circle, when you really start looking back over the Gospels and you start looking over the content of Scripture in the New Testament, you start seeing that he plays a gigantic part. He is integral in a lot of the situations we find Jesus in. He's integral in a lot of the ways that Jesus was going to take the example of using man, no matter his, his personality, no matter his disposition, God was going to use folks like that all for his glory. If you don't believe that, just look at the person next to you. He's still calling misfits today. He's still calling people today that don't exactly have it all together. He's still calling people. I'm wondering what Peter was like in the first six weeks of saying that he would follow Jesus. And none of us got squared away immediately, amen? I'm sure that there were times that Peter's loud mouth or Peter's foul mouth got, you know, maybe embarrassed some of the other disciples or maybe took things to a place of uh, he was a hot-headed guy or something like that. Who knows? But I'm so thankful that God doesn't give up on us 
in these moments. So I wanna, I wanna take a moment and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14 if you would real quick. I wanna show you this area of scripture. I, I, I've got a boat on the stage because I, I think it's gonna make some sense as we start looking um, into this area of scripture about Peter. But go to, go to verse 22 because we're gonna, set, we're gonna set into about 10 or 11 verses here that show a time period that Jesus gave opportunity for Peter to be all in and it didn't exactly go the way maybe he thought it would. And I want it to be a morning where it gives some encouragement to somebody who maybe doesn't exactly have it all together. Maybe they don't, uh, they've not yet reached that place of maturity. They're still at a place of growing or there might even be people who have been in church services all of their lives, but they're still finding that when they're called to do something, they don't quite go all in. Look what this area of scripture says real quick. Watch this. And it gives a little back up here, a back, a back story here. Verse 22 says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go out on, uh, I'm sorry, and go out ahead of him onto the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. But when the boat was already a considerable distance from land, it began to be buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So what you have is you have Jesus finishing up an area of ministry at the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he tells the guys very purposefully, very strategically, I want you to go ahead and get in the boat, head that direction across the Sea of Galilee. I'll find you later. And so they're loading up, they'd been in ministry, they'd been out there, they, 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 they worked all day and Jesus is disappearing on them. And I, there's always a guy in the crowd that as he steps into the boat, he looks at the sky and goes, looks like rain. Bartholomew, why you gotta be the downer all of the time? So remember who, who he's got in this boat very quickly. We're going to focus on Peter, but remember who's in the boat. We got a doctor, we got a tax collector, we've got a few fishermen. So for, 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 for Bartholomew to look at the sky and say, it looks like it's going to rain, you got all of these fishermen who are going, ain't nothing. Get in the boat. And as they start getting in the boat, they start heading out to sea, they push off from the shore and everything, and they start seeing, we see it by scripture, we start seeing that the, all of a sudden the wind picks up, the skies grow darker, a full storm comes. And it says, and the winds begin to buffet them. Now I want to talk a couple of moments about what it means to be buffeted or to be in the middle of storm, I, I, the, of a storm. I love what Karen said earlier when we were singing Oceans. And basically, she was getting really close to preaching my message, and I was excited and a little bit concerned. She was good. And she said, you know, there's nothing really odd about storms. As a matter of fact, if we think about what it meant for Peter to be a fisherman, chances are that he watched a lot of fishermen as he grew up. He might have even grown up on the seas right there. He might have even spent his whole childhood like that. He might have been the kid who was always hanging around in order to learn a trade. Peter knew boats and Peter knew water. 
Peter also knew storms. He knew when it was going to get difficult. He knew how to deal with that. He may have even been overboard one time or another in the course of his life. So storms are normal. Storms are normal for fishermen in the real life, in the real world. But storms are also normal for us. If you've ever walked through a storm before, raise your hand. If you're in the middle of a storm right now, raise your hand. Storms are normal. It doesn't make you odd. You didn't do anything wrong. The Bible says that the, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And your storm today is probably a little different than your storm was a couple of years ago. Your storm is probably unique to you and your family or your employment. It's probably a little different than the storms I've walked through. But storms actually are normal. We'll probably go through dozens if not hundreds over the course of our lives. And so it didn't really freak out Peter. Peter got in the boat. He saw the storm. I remember a time that uh, I was a youth pastor over on the coast of Florida in the Titusville area. And I grew up loving surfing. My parents bought me a surfboard. I think it was for my 12th birthday. So I started early. And uh, just, just fell in love with the sport. And over the course of the years, you know, when, when we, we didn't have cars, mom and dad would you know, instead drive us to the beach before Nate and I got our licenses. But once we got our licenses, they, man, Friday school bell ring and we were like, I'm out of here. And Monday morning, you know, we, we had to get back to the real world. We surf all weekend. We lived that lifestyle. And so surfing was, and not only did it become natural, but it was just really a passion of ours. And I remember one time as I had come into adulthood, didn't get to surf near as much anymore, but uh, now in ministry and in career, there was a time that I was living over there and uh, found out that the waves were really big due to a storm. I mean, they were big. They were as big as any time I'd ever paddled out both here or in traveling, and, and it, it was a storm surge condition. And I remember trying to call a few buddies, hey, you want to go surf, you want to go surf, and nobody could get away on this day. I, I ended up calling my own dad, and I said, dad, he doesn't surf, but I said, would you like to go over to the beach with me? I'm going to go ahead and paddle out in this storm. And so dad went along, and I remember that, that, uh, that, that, that the day was just gray and windy, and it wasn't really lightning or anything like that, but man, it was those Florida hurricane storm surge conditions, and, and uh, dad, dad said, I'll, I'll hang out up here, and I said, okay, I'm going to paddle straight out, and I paddled out and paddled it hard, difficult, difficult, it just kept getting hit with all of the waves coming in, and didn't even make it out the first time. Pat turned around, exhausted and wiped out, paddled back in. Took a breather, got everything back together, went to paddle out one more time and, and got all the way to the outside on this big day and the waves seemed like they were huge over, over me and sure enough, I took one of the waves and fell and crashed and wiped out and, um, and it, was a, it was a difficult, difficult wipeout. As a matter of fact, my board hit me in the head. And you know, when you're already out there and it's already uh, uh, making you nervous and you're, you're, you're out and by yourself with all of that as well, that you get hit in your head with your board, you know immediately, oh, that didn't go well. That didn't go well. Don't walk toward the light. Don't walk toward the light. And 
I, I, I started getting pushed down by the force of the water. Um, and, and what happens when you're surfing, especially in, large, in deeper water, is your board is naturally buoyant. So because it's attached to your ankle with a leash, your board is always pointing toward where the oxygen's at. And I thought, good, okay, I'm getting held down and, you know, my face is against the sand and, oh, just a few moments, the power of the wave will pass and I'll know exactly which direction is up. So there was that momentary peace in the middle of the storm until all of a sudden I felt, and my leash broke. And I thought, that's not good. And I remember getting swirled around upside down and everything. I remember, I remember all of that, just hoping that I could hang on to enough oxygen in my chest to be able to get back towards sky and take that deep breath. And that's exactly what happened. As I'm out in this lonely beach by myself in waves I probably shouldn't have been out in, and I took that huge breath and got my bearings on which way sh the shore was. And now I got this ringing in my head. So I start paddling through all of the difficult waves, no board, no anything, and I'm swimming back towards shore, and I'm trying, little by little, I'm making it, and I'm scanning the, the beach, where's dad at, and everything, and finally I see him there, and I think he was making a sand castle or something like that, I don't know exactly what was happening, but I get close to it, and I finally get to where I can touch ground with my feet and get closer, and I am wiped out and drained, so much so that I literally was just laying there in the surf with my, my arm on the sand for a few moments to catch my breath. And I tried to yell out to dad and he didn't hear me. I think he was looking at driftwood off in the back. And, and I, finally, I, I crawled out of the water and stood up next to him. And he's like, oh, hey. And I'm like, hey, I almost died. Where's my board? And it was nowhere to be found. And we spent a few minutes looking down the beach. My board was about a quarter of a mile away down the beach with a broken leash. And I said, Dad, I've never had this happen before, but I got blood coming out of my ear. I said, we should probably go. And I went home and found out that I had a ruptured eardrum and eventually everything got fine. But uh, it, though, mom bought me that first surfboard. Mom and dad bought me that first surfboard at 12 years old. Never thinking that it might take me to a whole new level of surfing eventually to where she would worry about me when I went out and paddled out. I can only imagine that that's exactly the way Peter's mom watched him grow up. There were times that the storms come and that's when mamas worry. That's when mamas kind of get nervous. Even though he's a pro, even though he's kind of got his act together, he, he knows boats, he knows water, it still makes moms worry. And we see this area in Scripture, actually. We see that it, it says that they were buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. And then it goes on to give us a little bit of a clue and a hint on what's going on. And it says, it was the fourth watch of the night. Now, the Romans divided the night up into four watches. And the fourth watch of the night is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so this was the time period that we find out that this story was going on in the middle of a storm that was happening. So we have disciples who are told by Jesus before sunset, 
push out, I'm going to go pray. And while they're out on the water, the storm rests on them. It's not until we hear the next verse to find out that it's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. that they're still out on the water in storm surge conditions. You see, the Sea of Galilee is eight eight miles wide by 13 miles high. It's 33 miles of coastline. It's a lot of space to lose your surfboard in. And they're out there, and it says they were continually buffeted. These men were expending every ounce of energy. They were doing everything they could, and it got to the place where it was difficult even for the ones who knew the sea. All night long, the darkest part of the night, these men kept working. In verse 26, it says this. It says, verse 25 says, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. So when we think about what's happening here, now it's gone from this place of Jesus telling you to push out, in obedience you push out, all of a sudden where you're at in your circumstances, it all changes and there comes a storm and you are alone in the boat. It's really interesting because this boat is a tiny little boat. It's a John boat. We, we, somebody lent this to us for, for this morning, but the boats that these men were in, Pastor talked about it a few months ago, um, were not much bigger than this, not much wider than this. It's a lot of guys in one boat on some big seas. And they're at this place where, you know, it might seem like even though it's, it's going crazy around about them, at least we're in the boat. Well, sometimes the thing that we call safe isn't actually the safest place in the storm. And they see Jesus walking. Sometimes, and this is the first point that I want to tell you very quickly, Sometimes tough times require miracles. Sometimes when we're in a difficult circumstance or our surroundings around about us start kicking up, the wind's kicking up, the lightning's happening, things begin to get difficult, sometimes in those moments we just kind of need to be reassured that Jesus is with us. It doesn't say that they started praying. It does, we don't have to over-spiritualize it. All we know is that they're afraid. And all of a sudden, as they're looking, and they see Jesus, and they first think it's a ghost. It's really interesting. So you got storms, and now it's getting spooky. Until they finally start understanding, wait a second. I, he's coming to us. He's had us in his bearings the whole time. He, even though this has been all night for us, even though we've spent all of our energy, even though we've got Bartholomew getting seasick on the, in the back of the boat, all of these things, Jesus still had us the whole time. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of a reminder. Scripture doesn't record that they were encouraging each other in the Lord. Find that. That's not in there. 
It would be nice if it was. It would be wonderful if all of a sudden they were just, you know, super small group buddies and everything and they were saying the right things to each other. They were, it doesn't say that. They had more on their plate than that in the moment. They were just afraid of the storm and of the circumstances. And Jesus shows himself and says, hey, guys, I just want to let you know I'm here with you. Sometimes it takes just a little bit from God to cause us to have to take that necessary deep breath in our storm. You see, he told me to get out on this boat, so I went all in. And now all of a sudden we're out here and the hours are ticking by and I'm afraid, I'm afraid, but, but man, I, I did what he asked and look what I got. You ever been in a situation where you know you've been obeying the Lord, but the circumstances around about you seem like he's out to get you? You ever been in a circumstance like that where you said, Lord, I, I'm all in. Count me as one of the 12. Put me in the boat with the rest of your team. I'm here for you, Lord. But then this happens. You put me in this situation, God? In those moments that he comes and he says, you know what? Peace. I'm here for you. Peace. So, we don't have to break this down much. They said he looked like a ghost. We know he's out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee with these boys. It didn't say he was on his stand-up paddleboard. He wasn't kayaking up to them. So the miracles now are already in place. They've never seen someone stand on the water, much less the stormy water, the moving, the, all of the difficulties out and around them. And they see him, and they're like, they're wiping the rain out of their eyes. Are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? The storm affected them. The storm didn't affect him. You say that again. The storm affects us. It doesn't affect him. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. It doesn't matter how much the wind is blowing. It doesn't matter who you're in the boat with. None of those things actually matter because they don't affect him and his purposes for your life and how he sees things come to come to pass. So, again, we're not trying to minimize the storms we've all walked through. If we pass the microphone around this room and took a few hours to hear stuff, people could tell you about storms. Storms are real. We don't act like the storms didn't happen. The storms are real. But what needs to become increasingly real in our life is how we react and respond to when the storms come as it relates to our obedience with what God has called us to do. And I'm going to be honest, it's our place of tension and wrestling in our Christian walk. It's our place where we wrestle with him in our Christian walk. 
So now all of a sudden we see ourselves in verse 28. And uh, Peter is the first one to kind of speak up and to say something. And it's interesting. I, 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 love, I love that sometimes the ones who are the most loud mouth, every once in a while it works out for them. Amen. Every once in a while, it goes well. And Peter is seeing the same things these other disciples are seeing. And, and he calls out to Jesus and, and, and he, he says, hey, listen, if that's you, if that's you, Jesus, call me out to you. I want to do what you're doing, Jesus. I want to do what not everybody gets to do. Jesus, if, 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 it's, if it's cool with you, call me out to you. And I love the fact that all Jesus responded back to Peter was, come. I love that Jesus was into Peter walking on water. I love that, and there was no precedent for this. Peter didn't say, hey, search the scrolls, see if this has happened before. There's no precedent. So what kind of mindset do you have to be in for you to say, God, I want to do something as miraculous as what you're doing right now. Get me in on this. Call for me. And Jesus did. Come. And we're going to pause real quick right there in the story. Because there had to come a place in a transition in Peter the guy who knew water, he knew fishing, he understood what it meant to be out on the water. This guy, he was, they were in his world at that moment. Nobody could argue with Peter. Nobody could argue with what he knew about storms or knew about the Sea of Galilee. Nobody could argue with that. And now everyone hears him call out to Jesus. They hear Jesus reply back to him with an invitation to step into the miraculous. Let me tell you where we're at in this story very quickly. You know, it's you and I that call things like this miracles. It's not God. You and I call things like this miracles because we're not used to seeing them. But God traffics in the world of miracles constantly. And he's used to miracles. He understands. There is nothing in the laws of physics that are not under his control. There's nothing that has been created that he can't change and augment and make different. There isn't a situation or a circumstance that he can't fully control with every bit of power inside of him. We call them miracles. Let me do something I know I can't do. Man, he was well-intentioned. He was fully, he was acting like Christians and believers do today. You don't believe me? When was the last time you prayed for healing on somebody and laid hands in faith, believing that what you say will come to pass? You can't do that. You can't change somebody's physical makeup in your own strength, in your own power. But there comes those moments where you get called to do something. Somebody might just be putting something on Facebook and you say, I'll, I'll pray for you. 
You start feeling that God is calling you to step out and to do something different or to say something to a server at a restaurant. I remember this story from when I lived in Jacksonville, this young mom who had three kids and went to uh, uh, Walmart and it was uh, late at night anyway and Walmart had a lot of people in it. It's already one of those kind of sweatpants and t-shirt trips to Walmart, right? And as she was walking through, I think getting diapers and stuff like that and as she tells the story, putting all the diapers in there and had a kid on a hip and a kid around a leg. Any mom has ever been to that? time going to Walmart at all? Anybody in here? And all of a sudden she's got this, this crowd and this cart and these, and these diapers and, 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 and getting in the line to wait to uh, you know, check out. She was five or six people deep and uh, felt the Spirit of God prompt her to pray for the cashier. Well, Lord, this is a full Walmart right now. Now there's people behind me. I got kids that want snacks and they're picking things up off of the, and it's just a lot going on and Lord, your timing's not good and all this kind of stuff and got all the way up to the place to check and got the, got the card out of a purse and everything and quieting kids down and stuff's going in bags now and trying to load things up and, and, and handed the, the, the card to the, um, the, the cashier and, and just looking at the cashier the whole time, knowing what God has called her to do and asked her to do. Cashier told her the total, rang it up, handed the card back, gave her the receipt and said good night. And she pushed her cart out to the parking lot. Got kids in car seats, one, two, three car seats, buckled down, here's your sippy cup, all of these things, loaded the groceries in and everything like that, sits down, puts the key on the, uh, the, the fingers on the key to the ignition, begins to turn the ignition and the Spirit of God says, How come you didn't do what I asked you to do? Lord, what if I go all in and it doesn't go the way that I thought it would? You know what you've got to do. Being obedient, she says, yes, God. Took the key out of the ignition. Went to the back seat, undid one child, back in the car, undid, and finally got everything loaded back in to head back, only to stand in line again behind four new people. And now all of a sudden people are piling up in line behind her as well. And she got to the place where she's looking eye to eye with the cashier again. Lines behind her, and she says, I know this sounds odd, with an empty cart, by the way. I know this sounds odd, but I really feel like I'm supposed to pray with you. The second the word pray came out of her mouth, as odd as the request was, the cashier began sobbing in front of everybody. And so she prayed with her. You see, God's going to call us to say yes because someone else is praying about their need. So you can say that again. Say, watch, watch, watch this again. God's going to cause us to need to say yes and to do in response to what he's heard someone, possibly a stranger, call out in their time of need, you never know when your yes is gonna be something for someone else that you don't know. 
You don't know exactly what you're supplying. You don't know how it's ministering and mattering to them. Man, we read about Moses in Exodus, but that story's not about Moses. That story's about God's response to the Jews who were calling out in their time of slavery. And because a Moses said yes and took that step and went all in, we saw all of those lives changed. Back to the story. Is this making sense so far? Are we, are we good so far? Here we go. So there's also a time where you now have to step out of the boat. There's a time. We'll do this in the last couple of moments. Just a, just a moment. This is point number two. There's a time to step out of the boat. There's an action of stepping out of the boat. And so when we think about this, Peter standing here and then he moves closer to the edge, you think that the first step in Peter uh, uh, getting out of the boat to do what God has now invited him to do, he first has to transition his mind to think differently than how he grew up all of his life. He had to begin transitioning his mind to believe what God said was possible, not what, watch this, what the boat said was possible. He had to start thinking differently. He had to change the way that he was thinking. He had to allow God to inspire him more with his instruction and invitation than everything he knew in his life about fishing, physics, and water. So the first step is probably not the step we think of. The first step is that mental change, that, 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 that part of believing God that what he says we can do, we can do. Peter could have stood there and analyzed it. He could have stood there and reasoned through things. But analyzing will not get you into the realm of faith. Analyzing doesn't take you toward Jesus. It further anchors you to the boat. Again, the irony that the boat was still the safest place is foolishness. Jesus says you can. Step out like that. So, so watch this. In order to bring balance, watch this. Let me make a comment that we don't confuse fantasy with faith. Just very quickly, watch this. Faith will always, 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 everyone say always, Faith will only always follow instruction from God. Faith will only follow instruction from God. Fantasy is a crafted reality that's birthed in the soulish realm, and it'll only ever produce soulish results. Faith will always require something of you. Fantasy will require something from someone else to benefit you. Faith is when God manipulates circumstances and situations in order to achieve his purposes, and fantasy is when you manipulate circumstances and, and, and situations in order to achieve your outcome. So when God starts speaking to you to do something, to be something, to step out into something, he has a purpose and a reason for it. 
But after that first kind of step past the cognitive reasoning barrier, there comes that, there comes that step out of the boat. This snapshot right here, this snapshot of taking your foot off of the secure boat, I, I can't even imagine what that's, what that's like. I can't even have my brain get around it because of understanding that water doesn't hold people. There's nothing about it that makes sense. I bet Peter was that kind of guy who handed his cell phone to Bartholomew and says, get a picture of this. This will post great later. But to step out like that and to have that first step, to have that action start happening, that action where your mind, everything is going opposite. This is costing me too much money. This is costing me relationships. This, all the things that go along with the action of stepping out. It's required, whatever it is, whatever the detail is for you, it's required because there comes a moment in the time where you are fully out of the boat and you are doing what doesn't make sense anymore. You're standing, you're, you're now a part of a miracle. You're not, you can't explain it, you can't, guys, am I doing the right thing? This says nothing about Peter getting the opinions of the other 11 in the boat. Mind you, who are still in the boat. And so Peter starts walking. I mean, it's not just a, a calm, placid lake. It's not just some kind of little walk in the park. It is a storm that's got them afraid for their lives. And he's out there walking in this environment toward Jesus. Bartholomew, are you getting this on film? Closer to Jesus. And it's really interesting. The last verse that we'll look at is this. It says, basically, as he approached Jesus, he saw the wind and the waves. And I'm going to add something in here. The conditions of the storm all around him. And he began sinking. He began sinking. He began, he began having happen to him what happens when you try to walk on water in your own strength. You're going to sink. What happened to him was natural. He began sinking. So what happens in that split second where what he was stepping on and standing on now begins giving way under his feet? The panic that's happening around about him, even though he's probably within just paces of Jesus, all of a sudden that panic takes over, the waves are going crazy, and, and all of a sudden it begins giving way under his feet. The Bible says that he began sinking, and the first natural response out of his mouth was, Jesus, save me. What if I go ahead and go all in and it doesn't exactly go the way that I thought? That the story peaks at that moment where he realizes his weakness. You see, Peter saw the storm twice, but there were two very different outcomes when he saw the storm. The first time he saw the storm, 
He was able to see Jesus and be inspired to be able to handle whatever circumstances were around him as long as his focus was on Jesus. The second time he saw the storm, he took his focus off of Jesus and he sank. That's the story in two sentences right there. His response to seeing the same storm was vastly different. Jesus, I thought I had it together. I thought I... I thought I was going to go ahead and show these other 11 guys that we're close. And he starts sinking and cries out, Jesus, save me. The Bible says that Jesus reached and grabbed his arm. See that for a second. See that. Talk about taking things to the last second, Lord. He grabs his arm. Jesus is still standing solid on that water. Holding his own weight up. And now he's lifting up this big old hairy fisherman by an arm. I think the words that come out of heaven more than we know is this, that God is looking down on our storm and he's saying, Aaron, I got you. I got you in this. You see, it's natural for me to redeem you when you start going under. It doesn't take uh, moments for me to have to think about it. I don't have to ponder, is he worth it? I don't have to um, uh, start inventorying all the failures that have happened in his life. No, I got you. This is what happens when you go all in and it doesn't go the way that you thought it would. I got you. In this moment, in your storm, I got you. So we ask ourselves, why? Why Peter? Why did he do it this way? In the last verse, if we can have the team go ahead and come on out. The last verse is verse 30, and it says this. It says, after they saw this and after they were in essence blown away it says uh, when they climbed into the boat the wind died down then those who were in the boat began worshipping look up here and catch this those who were in the boat began worshipping at least 11 is maybe more than that God will always get his glory I'm going to say it again. God will always get worshipped. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. It doesn't matter how much some of us tend to start sinking. None of those things matter. There's always going to be the end result that he will be worshipped. His miracles and his purposes are to show his power. When he does these things, 
He's doing it in our life, but probably so that those who are watching can go, wow, God. He's doing these things so that we'll be reminded he's in control of it all. He's more powerful than it all. So I'm gonna encourage you to do a couple of things very quick. If you stand to your feet, would you stand right now? We wrap things up for the morning. I'm gonna encourage you to do something. I briefly mentioned earlier that storms look different for different people. Details are different than the person next to you. Could be relational issues that really matter. Could be a sickness in your body or a zero in your bank account. Every one of those things are gigantic. And probably if we'd be honest about it, every one of us in this room have dealt with things just like that in our lives over the course of time. The difference is today and in this moment, what makes us different than all of the times in our past is that we can make a choice today. That everything we do in our life and everything we say in our life and every uh, relationship and every, every connection that we have, every choice that we make can now be run through the filter of, I'll obey you, God. I'll say, yes, God. No matter what the circumstances are like, no matter what's going on around about, no, no, no matter any of those things, I'm saying, yes, God. And that we start treating our question of what if I go all in and it doesn't quite go the way that I thought it would. We start answering back, but when I say yes to him, he lives to redeem me from those moments that I start sinking. God, today, that's how I live. Today. That's how I live. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.